What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another BTR podcast. Today, we're joined by a very special guest. So without further ado, uh, let me get right into it. He's the analyst for Sportsnet covering the NBA, specifically the Raptors and the Raptors 905. And MLB, more specifically, again, with the Blue Jays, he's the host of the Raptors talk show with uh, Will Lou and uh, Jays Talk Plus on Sportsnet Radio. Uh, we're joined by Blake Murphy of Sportsnet today. How's hey, Blake? what's going on? I'm, I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having <laughs> me. Good. Sorry, I- me, this is how excited I am to join you guys. Talking right over top of you, right out of the gate. <laughs> no, no, it's all okay. good, all good. We appreciate you. Um, first off, I just have a question before we get into anything, just like a fun thing. Do you ever get vacation? Because when I messaged you the first time, it went Jays season straight into the Raptors season. So we're just wondering about this. Yeah, so if the Jays had not made the playoffs, I would have had a little bit of time. But the Jays basically got eliminated, and then the Raptors show was launching like a week after that, and we were doing like practice shows and podcasts and stuff like that. So I have not had a vacation in a little while right now. Last year, um, it worked out a little better. Like the Jays ended with enough time. I went to Cuba for like four days. Um, before Raptors started back up, but no such luck this year. <laughs> and it doesn't help when they uh, they barely make the playoffs and then do that. That's well. the thing. It's like if they go to the ALCS, it's worth it. If they yeah. get bounced in the wild card, it's like, well, come on, do me a favor here, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll get right into it. We'll get off with the NBA stuff. So before we um, go strictly team basis or general conversations before i even get into this everybody check out the raptors show because they blake along with will lou um had adam silver commissioner adam silver on and it was a great convo uh everything will be linked down below as well but off the bat uh we're about like a month or so in uh what's your initial reaction to the early part of the season so far as a whole yeah, just NBA wide. Um, I, I think it's great, man. I think it's it's really wide open. I think if you look in the Western Conference, there are like 10 teams who if they didn't make the playoffs this year, it would be a big disappointment. You've got probably four or five teams that because of age or because of expectation or because of how the salary cap is changing in the coming years for high income teams. Um, you've got like four or five teams that are championship or bust. And I think what that does is first of all, it gets you trades like James Harden in, in uh, October, November, but it also means it should be a pretty spicy trade deadline. It means that every night, I mean, you guys are West coast based. So um, you guys get the, uh, are, are getting a really steady diet of good primetime games for us here. It's certainly worth staying up. Um, and then the Eastern conference, it, it's, you know, it's a little bit more familiar at the top. Like we know who Boston is. We have an idea who Philadelphia is outside of what Nick Nurse is changing and Tyrese Maxey's ascension. Um, we know who the Bucks are as they figure out the Dame element here. So it's uh, it's kind of like in the East, we we know everything, but the, each team is uh, different enough to still be interesting this year. Uh, sorry, cat in the way. Um, no worries. <laughs> and, and the West is just so loaded. So um, I think those parts are good. And, and then I think, you know, even the bottom part of the East even if you don't really believe in the teams and their ability to make a dent in the playoffs, there are still some fun teams trying to figure it out like Orlando and Indiana who have been, you know, really nice surprises. this year. So I, th- I think it's shaping up to be uh, a very fun season and certainly a, a really spicy trade deadline come January, February. Cause uh, yeah, when we did our season preview and the West, we had like 11 teams that could potentially make the playoffs. So it was tough to yeah. even take one out because the play in process and then on the East, I think we came up with the conclusion that we had two contenders. Now, definitely Philly is shutting us up a little bit here because I'm like, oh, with and now granted at the time, James Harden was not traded. So we don't know what was going to happen there. But even the fact that Tyrese Maxey stepping up was 
kind of we kind of pictured it, but not to the level that he has at the moment. Yeah, and look, they're they're going to be able to. We'll, we'll see what they end up actually doing, but they picked up some assets in that James Harden trade, like future draft picks that they could turn around and they could trade for some extra help as well. So um, I think with the 76ers, everyone's right to be a little skeptical until we see it in the playoffs because they've been bounced in the second round however many years in a row. Um, but Nick Nurse, we know a, a little bit better of a playoff resume uh, than his predecessors there in Doc Rivers and, and Brett Brown. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, the Maxi thing and what... Like, honestly, what else they could add? They could turn around at the deadline here and uh, attach a draft pick or two to a sizable salary and bring in, you know, another Tobias Harris type to, to kind of round that thing out and add a little bit of extra defensive punch. So, um, yeah, I'm with you guys on the let's wait to see it to the playoffs element of it. But I think they could be uh, they could be dangerous, including at the deadline. Um, you alluded to it earlier. We'll just get to it right now. The hardened trade. So before the hardened trade itself, are you a fan? Because like from the outside looking in, we love the NBA compared to the other leagues, especially the NHL, because it's hard to move salaries and player movement. But to a certain extent, right? Because like Harden pretty much throws a hissy fit, goes wherever he wants <laughs> after Houston, essentially. And then he's like, oh, I want to be here. Then, oh, I want to be here. Oh, now I'm a sixer. Now I want to be a clipper. Gets whatever he wants. Are you a fan of just player movement in general? Because the Dame trade, we that that's what we're fine with. Because we want to see big time movement. Kevin Durant last year in a way, but like the James Harden part, I think kind of goes like, oh, why the player power is too much. So what's yeah, your thoughts I, on that? Look, I'm I'm for the player empowerment movement in general. Shorter contracts, you know, max guys having a little bit more say. Um, I don't I don't love the like I'm only gonna go to this team element of it because like I like I still am not entirely clear why teams respect that like if Dame says I only want to go to Miami uh, I like that Portland at least dealt him to Milwaukee and took the best offer um, you know the Harden thing's a little different because there weren't very many teams still willing to pay what it would take for Harden um, so you know I, I think it makes for interesting storylines I think this stuff is probably better off in July happening rather than happening in season. Um, certainly makes the Clippers more fascinating this year. And honestly, th there are there are more restrictions coming in the new CBA signed last offseason that'll that'll kind of slowly work their way in over the next little bit. That'll make it harder for teams to do deals like this Harden deal. So it might resolve itself anyway. Um, for now, it's like I think it's mostly fine and entertaining uh james harden has just like hit that button too many times himself yeah the drama the drama is fun because kevin durant who expected him to get traded mid-season and kyrie last year right yeah, yeah. yeah. that was really good too because like, the nhl is boring in that sense yeah. <laughs> but and like the NBA, how yeah. like the clippers are are interesting they have Kawhi and paul george and westbrook obviously but like this has turned the Clippers into, and especially because they lost their first handful of games, like last night's Clippers game, they're in a, a down-to-the-wire battle with the Rockets, and suddenly that's like a must-see fourth quarter because, you know, they are so fascinating and, and they can't figure it out yet. And um, so, yeah, I think it's good for the entertainment value. It's just, you know, James Harden's legacy is, especially if he doesn't end up winning a championship, like this is going to be it, and individual players have to be uh, aware of that a little bit. All right, so going from one trade target to another, Zach Levine might be available. So I just want to know, like, who are your uh, three teams that would be the best fit for Levine? Yeah, I mean, obviously teams that that need a little offense uh, in the backcourt. Zach Levine is, you know, he's having a down year this year, but 
generally speaking, he's pretty efficient on high volume. He's a, a decent enough secondary playmaker. You don't want him as your lead guard. Um, that type of guy fits a lot of spaces. I think anytime something like this comes up, uh, you have to look at the Miami Heat because they're always involved with everyone. Um, they have, you know, a couple of bigger contracts in Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry that you could work to to make the salary cap math work. And then you just figure out, you know, the picks element. Um, the Lakers are always a threat for a guy like that because they don't really care about the long term money. Um, and, you know, teams like L.A. and Miami, because of, you know, the Lakers market and the allure of the Lakers and just how well run the Heat are they have been able to survive for a really long time, always trading all their picks away. Um, so those two teams are always in there. Um, the one team that I, I'd be a little interested in, and it doesn't really, it doesn't really fit where their weakness is, but if you drop Zach Levine into Dallas, um, look, they're a, to- they're the top offense of the league and they're like a mediocre defense. It doesn't help with that, but like that might be the best offense we've ever seen. If you can drop in another shooter uh, around Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving there and another guy with kind of scoring punch. Um, And I mentioned the Mavs, not necessarily because I think it's a good fit, but I do think that they're another team that is going to be pretty aggressive this year because, you know, how long is Kyrie going to stay at this level? Do you have to make Luka Doncic happy by winning at some point during this contract? Um, I, I think they're probably feeling the pressure a little bit. All right. So now we're a month into the season. What would you say your finals prediction is? Ooh. Uh, unfortunately, uh, I think Boston is the favorite to come out of the East right now. I I don't like to say that I picked Milwaukee preseason, but I have been really unimpressed with, uh, Adrian Griffin so far. And I think, you know, the, the defensive limitations they have there now without Drew holiday. And now that Brooke Lopez is, I mean, he's still blocking like six and seven shots every night, but he's like 35, 36, um, I'm less confident in their defense. So I think Boston is probably the favorite of the East. And honestly, I I thought maybe the Suns would come out, but we're not going to see Beal, Booker, and Durant together for at least another three weeks. They still haven't played a game together. So I've got to downgrade them just a little bit. And I think it's hard to move Denver off the top spot. They're the defending champs. And, uh, you know, they've started nine and three here, even without Jamal Murray playing very much. So, uh, yeah, I think the Nuggets got to be the favorite to come out of the West still right now. All right, so I'm a Raptors fan, and you cover okay. the Raptors. And I'm very confused because I don't know if I should buy in or, you know, just be like, okay, you should rebuild, trade pieces. So what are your what is your reaction to the Raptors season? Are they exceeding expectations? Are they, are they what you expected, or are they a little bit worse? Yeah, they're, they're about what I expected. Um, you know, I, I picked them for 40 wins before the season, so them sitting at 5-7 and seven right now is kind of within what I thought. I thought they'd be a pretty good defense, a really good transition offense, and I didn't think they would struggle to score this much in the half court, but I thought they would struggle to score. Um, they right now have the worst half court offense since like Sam Hinkie was tearing down the 76ers back in 2015. Um, so that's not great. That's worse than I expected. Um, but overall, you know, 5-7, and seven, playing tough against some good teams, having a couple stinkers. That's about what I expected. It's about what I expect for a 500-ish team. Um, more to your point, though, about what is the direction, what is the plan, um, I, I'm with you. I'm still a little uncertain on what that is. Until Pascal Siakam signs an extension, I'm going to assume they're listening on him. It, it just Otherwise, why wouldn't you have the extension done at this point? Um, but I think from a Raptors fan perspective, you can at least – 
you know, if you're talking about buy-in, no, I'm not buying in that this group is going to click enough to make a playoff run this year. But I think what you're seeing from Scotty Barnes, you can definitely buy in on. He's showing a ton of growth. He's showing some, you know, he's having games where he looks like not just a star, but a superstar. Um, you know, his stat line is that of an all-star player. So that's really exciting. I think you're pre- in pretty good shape to buy in on Scotty Barnes's future. But I don't think the Raptors know yet, you know, which direction they're going to go and what the timeline they're working on is. Uh, my biggest concern for the Raptors is like, you know, you let Lowry go for next to nothing. Fred Van Vliet's gone for nothing. And now like your biggest asset in Siakam might go for nothing. OG. And OG yeah. and Obi as well. So, Gary Trent, Gary Trent Jr. Jr. So like, <laughs> yeah. I'm just like, just can you pick something and do it? Because like, we can't let these guys go for free because these are genuinely like, you know, good NBA players that could help people contend. Yeah, and like I, I look, I I can understand it more with Kyle and like when Mark and Serge left or Kawhi and Dan, like you got a championship out of that, right? Like you can't be like, well, we lost them for nothing. No, you you lost them after winning a championship. I don't care. But these guys now, yeah, they misplayed the Fred situation. Um, whether there were good offers at the trade deadline or just mediocre offers, they obviously thought they would be able to at least sign and trade him. They weren't able to do that. Um, you know, it, they are heading into an offseason here with three key free agents. And look, that was that was what last offseason looked like. And Gary Trent kind of did them the favor of picking up his player option. Um, but they were still in a spot where they had to slightly overpay Jakob Pertl because Pertl's camp could sit there and be like, well, you just gave up a first round pick for us. And if you don't keep us, you don't have significant cap space anyway. So that's kind of the situation they could put themselves in this summer where they don't have a lot of leverage with any of those three guys. So um, I'm with you. I think they need to make a choice on it. You know, OG, I'm willing to be patient on because there are these weird CBA rules about what you can and can't offer a guy in an extension. And it just makes sense for OG to wait until the offseason. But the Pascal and Gary things, you know, those could be resolved right now with extensions or they could be resolved right now with trades. Um, I don't think you want to go into the offseason with all of these guys as UFAs. Yeah, no, to finish up the Raptors thing, I think before the season, we'll get your opinion in a second as well. I think because obviously him being the bigger Raptor fan, and I do like the Raptors because those Nick Nurse teams minus Tampa and last year were pretty fun to watch, in my opinion. And uh, But at the same time, I'm like, okay, now they need to rebuild because Kevin Durant was out of the picture at that point. I'm like, okay, if you're going to trade for a star to contend, I'm like, okay, it makes sense to get Kevin Durant. Dame, I was like iffy because I'm like, I don't think he's the guy. Even if you got Dame, you're going to lose pieces. And then you won't, you will be probably like similar, like how Philly kind of is before uh, they kind of took a step, I guess. Um, and then, um, yeah, then I'm, I think we said rebuild for sure. Now, were you on that stage or were you like, no, nah, they should go after names, for example. In this case, it linked to Zach Levine somehow. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I would lean toward you know, reorienting things around the Scotty Barnes timeline. That also includes, you know, OG because OG is not old yet either. Um, I, I would probably reorient in that direction. I just like even a Zach Levine thing. If you can work out a deal where like, let's say it's Gary Trent, Chris Boucher and Thad, right? Like that makes the money work. And let's let this isn't the case, but let's say all Chicago cares about is getting off that contract. Well, you do that. And your team is definitely much better. Zach Levine fits in um, with, with what the, where this team's holes are. But does it make you a contender in the East? Probably not on the level of Boston and Philadelphia and Milwaukee. You're definitely better, but not like title, you know, not favorites to come out of the East better. And then you're looking at a spot where Zach Levine, Pascal, OG, and Scotty, 
if you keep Pascal and OG, which you'd obviously do in a scenario where you're trying to win now, those guys take up almost all of your salary cap together and Jakob Pertl. Um, so you don't have a lot of ability to get better from there. So, I, I mean, like I, I would... I would enjoy the basketball and it would be entertaining if they added a piece and they went more win now. But you know, if I'm in their shoes, I I think I'm looking more toward, well, Scotty Barnes could potentially be a star and the only way to build properly around that is going to be to, to take a step back and get some extra assets. So last thing with the Raptors before we move on, Masai Ujiri, do you think he kind of overthinks and overdoes trades? Cause there were rumors that OG was available for four first round picks or the Atlanta Hawks gave an offer for Pascal Siakam, for example. And do you think he's trying to do that whole Kawhi finesse trade or the Norman Powell trade that he did? And he's just kind of like overdoing it at this point. And then it ends up letting Fred walk for free, for example. I don't know if it's overthinking or overdoing it necessarily. Like we've heard for a long time that Masai values his guys really highly and they can be a frustrating team to trade with because, you know, they want to win that trade. They don't want to do lateral move trades. Um, you know, we hear this in reporting from national reporters sometimes that other teams get a little fed up with it or whatever. Um, I'm not in Masai's head, so I don't know if it's a if it's an overthink or overestimating or whatever. Um, it's also like I'm sure a part of it is staying the course when he first took over. Like obviously he did the Bargnani trade, he did the Rudy Gay trade, but not trading Kyle when he was tearing things down ended up what be being what kind of put them on the path to a championship. They got good and then they got really good and then they hit a wall, but then they were able to make that next step. Now those teams were like 55, 60 win teams. They were not 41 win teams. So it's different, but I do think that a part of their philosophy is like, they just don't have the stomach for another Tampa season. So I think they want to try to stay reasonably competitive as they're doing this, which is difficult. And that's how you end up. I think, putting a high price tag on Fred Van Vliet because you think you could in some scenarios re-sign him and be a 45-win team. Um, I think they misplayed that one, but but you know whether it's overthinking or overestimating or whatever, um, that much I couldn't say. I just have not agreed with some of the, the moves is as far as I'll go on that one. Okay, um, moving on to the Lakers because I'm obviously a Laker fan here. What's your early season reactions? Obviously, they are um, kind of not doing what... I expected them to do, but do you still believe that they are, I guess, a championship contender? Because last year they did start two and ten. Now, granted, that was a Russell Westbrook team first. Um, early start, I'm not a fan of Darvin Ham at the moment. Even in general, last year I had question marks. But yeah, your reaction to the Lakers? Do you still believe that they're like a top five, top seven team and possible championship contender in the league? Well, they're look, they're three and zero in the in season tournament, so they're definitely an in season tournament champion contender uh, <laughs> contender here. Um, look, I, I think they've had, you know, I, I like their off season fine, uh, given the constraints they were facing. Neither Cam Reddish nor Torian Prince have been as good as expected. I, I know Reddish. We're recording this Saturday. Reddish had a really good defensive night last night, but Torian Prince hasn't really, you know, hit his stride yet. Uh, some of the whole, you know, Rui's not quite as good as he was down the stretch last year. Christian Wood hasn't, Gabe Vincent has done almost nothing. I know he's hurt now, but, um, you know, they, so they've had some stuff not go their way yet. And I think they'll continue to figure that out. And like I said, kind of with the Zach Levine question, the Lakers are always going to find a way to trade pieces or, or add at the deadline. Some clutch client will demand a trade to LA or something like that. Um, honestly, I think the biggest thing for the Lakers is LeBron still looks like LeBron. And as long as you have that, you've got a chance. 
Uh, you mentioned the in-season tournament. So what was your reaction before the season when you had there were talks about it and then when it became official and then now what it's been so far? Yeah, I, I like it. Um, Initially, you know, I don't... Like, I, I am fine with them trying new things. I understand them trying new things. It's, uh, you know, it's good for the long-term health of the league, even if some stuff doesn't work out. Um, Now, this one is, you know, I'm not much of a soccer fan, so the FA Cup kind of appeal... I didn't really get necessarily. I, I haven't loved what the G League has done, where they have kind of one season and then a G League Cup and then another season and the actual playoffs. Um, but I mean, so far so good. The game, the the in season tournament nights have been really exciting. Um, some of the courts don't look that good, but some of them do. Some of the jerseys are good. Um, the players seem to care at least a little bit. Um, so I'm I'm here for it. The, the biggest thing for me, honestly, is going to be when we get to those semifinals and finals and they're on neutral courts in Vegas, um, if those games are good and the vibe there is cool and like people show up and the court looks good and everything, that's going to be what sells this thing. So, you know, if if the Charlotte Hornets beat the Orlando Magic in the finals of the in-season tournament and 8,000 yeah. people are there and the court looks bad, no, I don't think anyone will care next year. Um, but, you know, if it's LeBron's Lakers and, you know, Joel Embiid's 76ers and it's a really good championship game and it looks awesome on TV and the crowd's good in Vegas, like, I think people will tie memories of that. You really can't do anything to build it other than have a really good semifinals and finals. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, there were issues yesterday with the Raptors court, apparently. But Yeah, um, it's not the first one that we've heard is too slippery. Yeah, and, and I wonder yeah. if that's just like, like they didn't even get preseason reps in on those. So like they're not worked in at all. I don't I don't know yeah. how much an average court needs to be worked in first. But we heard that in Dallas. Um, Luka Doncic was complaining about the court, I think. And there was someone else last night. I'm drawing a blank. But someone else uh, outside of Toronto, in addition to Jalen Brown, um, w- was saying something similar. Yeah, no, we're soccer fans. So at first we were like, okay, we don't want to see more games. But then when we found out that it's included in the regular season, minus the finals, I'm like, okay, we could we could live with it. And we'll see how it goes. Because the All-Star game, which we'll get into now in a second, um, remember like when they did the whole playground rules? It worked the first year, I think the third year. Now it's like they're back to the uh, the original way. Like the casualness. Yeah, back, casualness yeah. is back. But with the All-Stars, and now speaking of that, how you talked about it i think you didn't ask adam silver this when i was watching you guys uh, pod but uh the usa versus all, uh, world all-star do you think that could bring back the competitiveness possible um i mean maybe it's uh it's something where like the game is certainly international enough where the rosters would be pretty balanced and maybe even tilted against the u.s so i don't know that the nba would want to do it unless the u.s is a is a heavy favorite to win like if you're going up against Duncic and Jokic and Giannis um and Embiid like I I don't know I guess Embiid has declared for the U.S. internationally now but like uh yeah that's a pretty loaded roster like that's maybe the three best players in the league so um yeah I I think it would be spicy I think it would be interesting um I'd also be okay with like they just do a different format year to year um I think the important thing is as long as the 26 guys who make the all-star game are the 26 also like i would hate if it's us versus the world and because of that like someone who doesn't deserve to be on an all-star team sneaks in because the world team needs a 13th guy or the us needs a 13th guy or whatever i think you you get your all-stars and then you you split it up however uh however you think is fun that year and 
I'd be fine with that rotating East-West, Captains, USA versus the World, whatever. Um, it, it's not a serious game, so whatever you got to do to keep it fresh. All right, so there's been a lot of drama with Draymond Green recently, <laughs> putting Rudy Gilbert in a chokehold. So first, I just want to get your um, overall reaction to that. And then my second question is, what WWE move you think Draymond's going to do? Because he already did a punch on jo- Jordan Poole. He stomps yeah. a bonus. He's done a flying knee. He's done a flying knee. He's done low blows as well. Yeah. So my Amrit's guess was a leg lock, just because it, it seems more realistic. Yeah. But I'm going a little bit more broad, like a ambitious, and saying like a RKO or like a suplex. Okay, I, I'm gonna go with the uh, the attitude adjustment, and I'm not saying like full stand up, put him on the shoulder, yeah. but I can absolutely see like a scrum where Draymond falls on the ground and then like just flip, just like grab someone and yeah. so like. I guess the technical term would be a fireman's carry. It wouldn't be the attitude adjustment without the big stand up and flip them. But uh, yeah, some version of that when he's he's getting up from the ground to just flip someone over. Um, One thing Adam Silver brought up, the expansion. And now obviously we're in the Vancouver area. Um, do you believe, because in our heads we're like, okay, it seems like it's a lock that Vegas and Seattle are getting the expansion teams, in our opinion. Do you it seems believe that, that way, yeah. Yeah, do you think vancouver or montreal will end up getting a team sometime down the line i mean sometime down the line sure like i i could see a scenario where the league expands a little bit beyond 32 they'll have to be careful with that but you know more teams is more money and bigger franchise fees and you know more games to sell to the tv network so uh, i will never rule out anything that could make the nba more money um i think you know if it was Vancouver or Montreal, it would only be one of them. And they probably have to compete with, you know, the league has made it a, a mission to expand into Mexico as well over the last little while. Um, so, you know, you, there's, there's going to be competition there. But I think Vancouver and Montreal both, like they, they could both make a pretty compelling case. Like Montreal is, uh, even though they've never had a, an NBA team, like it's been a basketball hotbed for a long time. The Raptors do well when they go out there. Um, they produce some decent players. And then, you know, everyone knows the Grizzlies got a bad shake out there. And um, sure, maybe it wasn't the most profitable profitable franchise, but also like they had poor ownership and poor management. And um, yeah, so I don't know. I, I would lean toward Vancouver over Montreal, I think, because I think Vancouver got a, a bad shake last time. But I'm also, you know, I, I know I'm talking to two Vancouver guys, so maybe that's swaying <laughs> yeah. my opinion a little bit here. <laughs> no, because Vancouver, I think, though, to be honest, I think it might be, could be a little tough just geographically if Seattle's right there, then they might delay that and go Mexico City or Montreal. Yeah. But Vancouver will be fun because obviously in the NHL side of things, we have the whole Toronto-Vancouver media rivalry. Bring yeah. that back, you know? Now, he might have to make a decision. Yeah, <laughs> after Tanner to go back to hometown. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I think that rivalry will be fun in terms of Canadian media again because we already know the Toronto-Vancouver media don't like each other in, in terms yeah. of sports talk. <laughs> I mean, look, I lived in Vancouver for a year and was going to UBC and I was doing – I did the weird – I was – blogging at Leafs Nation and Canucks Army at the same time and it was uh it was not popular for me to try to toe the line and play both sides of that so uh, yeah. I I think everyone would have to dig in and pick Raptors or uh whatever the new Vancouver team would be or Montreal for that matter all right last thing before we get to the baseball side of things now your reaction just to how Canada basketball men and women especially recently with the men's performance have it has uh, I guess expanded uh currently elevated i guess is the correct word uh, currently 
yeah, it's awesome. I mean, this summer's World Cup was incredible. It's one of the most fun things I've, I've ever, and I wasn't even covering it like directly. I was just kind of chipping in, um, but it was awesome. It was awesome as a fan, awesome as someone who's written about those teams for like a decade now. Um, really cool to see, you know, the the recognition throughout that not only was this, you know, uh, a big historical thing the men were doing, but like it was also, yeah, they're catching up to the women who have finished fourth in a world cup before and gone to the Olympics uh, a bunch of times. So um, it'll be really cool in Paris to see both of those teams. I assume the women are going to qualify there. They're in a really good spot uh, to qualify in February. So um, yeah, I think it'll be really, really fun. And, And then on the, you know, more broad Canada basketball side, like, it's just, it's crazy that every year the press release comes out. It's like, yeah, Canada set a new record for how many non-American players this year. It's like 26 or 28 or something like that. Um, and every year it gets bigger and it just like, like you don't even clue in anymore when the Raptors are playing against the Canadian player. Cause so many teams have them. Um, it's great. It, it's one of those things where like, you know, a true mark of progress is you don't even, you don't even appreciate the progress day to day because it's just like, it's so everywhere in the NBA now. Um, they're just Canadian players everywhere at the highest levels, Euro League, Euro Cup, all that stuff. So uh, it's been a blast, and I would really, really like for some of that to carry over to Paris. If USA sends the Avengers, are you, is it still USA to beat? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, it's yeah, still USA to beat for the Olympics. And, like, I know they came fourth in the World Cup, but that wasn't their A team. That wasn't their yeah. B team. Um, like, I love Ant, but, like, that was – they had a lot of holes beyond that. Um, you know, and Mikhail Bridges, but like some of the guys that were playing, there are role players in the NBA. I think they're probably for 2024 going to send maybe an old team, but like a last dance style team. Uh, so yeah, it'll be the U S to, to, to top off. And then we'll see who wins these last chance qualifying tournaments too, because there are going to be some really good European teams left out of the Olympics. Um, so I don't even know how to like set the table beyond the U S yeah. Cause I think Canada is a big man away um really to partner with Shea in my opinion uh as much as I love Kelly Olenek and Dwight Powell what they've been doing but like someone like to go against a Joel Embiid or a Jokic or a Giannis for example it's just once they get that established I think then Canada could be in the mix of like um what's the word contending uh, meddling meddling, yeah Yeah, I mean look the the World Cup is even though the U.S. didn't take their best team there like the World Cup is the biggest tournament on the calendar and it's the most difficult to win it's the longest you there there are more chances to slip up um a lot of european and south american teams take that as the biggest event like that's bigger than the olympics to a lot of countries given the history of basketball um you know in the world cup so uh, i think if you medal at the world cup yeah you should feel pretty good like the goal should be to medal at the olympics all right so we're gonna move on to the mlb so i just want to get your prediction from the beginning of the season because it's kind of obvious that like no one really predicted a Texas Arizona World Series yeah I don't remember what my prediction was at the start of the season but it wasn't that I'm pretty sure I had the Braves in the finals um maybe Braves Astros I don't remember um exactly I remember being really high on the Braves and then uh yeah, all the home runs in the world didn't help them out. So uh, yeah. I don't know. Like, we'll see heading into this year. We obviously got to see where Shohei lands and stuff like that. But this is the this is the the fun and frustrating part about baseball playoffs is, like, you never know what's going to happen. But also, like, probably the best team doesn't always win, unlike in basketball where, like, you're pretty sure the best team won. Um, so the re- your reaction, because it is the lowest-rated World Series, 
And I'll take a little credit because I thought Texas wasn't going to make it all the way, but I thought they were going to be better than people thought they were going to be. But your reaction to when people say, well, I'm like a casual fan, like, oh, I ain't going to tune into this. There's no real appeal to it. But we, we're like arguing the other side of it. Like, if you want to get into baseball, just watch baseball. It's still the World Series. Plus, there's actually an underdog story here, uh, specifically from the Diamondback side of things. And yeah. being the lowest rated, uh, yeah, your reaction to that. Yeah, I don't really care about the ratings. Like, I understand they're they're relevant for, like, the long-term health of baseball and TV money and stuff like that. But me as some, like, I don't know why fan why a fan who is still watching would care how many other, like, I feel this way about wrestling ratings arguments, too, of, like, like okay, well, the, we already know the ratings don't capture every form of digital streaming and illicit ways of watching, uh, which no one in Canada does because they have Sportsnet Plus, obviously. Um, but there are other ways that, that, traditional tv ratings can't capture um especially with the younger the younger part of the audience so um i don't put a lot of stock into it i like it it does nothing to take my enjoyment away from the world series if like 8.8 million people are watching it instead of like 9.4 million people all right we're gonna get into the blue jays a little bit here starting off with uh what happened beginning of the year so dalton varsha got traded for gabby moreno and uh Lourdes Gurriel Jr. So our reaction was like, um, when we're watching through the season, like we're, we're not mad that we got Varsho because he definitely helped, especially with the outfield defense. But like, was he really worth our number one prospect to give up? It's tough. I mean, the Jays would still tell you yes. Um, I, I understood it a little bit more when we thought Dalton Varsho was actually going to play some catchers still. Like the idea there was, was part of it was, well, you don't need to have like Tyler Heineman called up because Dalton Varsho can be your third catcher. Um, we never saw it. And then obviously he had a, a pretty bad or pretty rough offensive season other, other than, you know, finding his way into a home run here and there. Um, I didn't, you know, I understood the deal at the time. I, I love catching prospects and they never work out. Um, so yeah. the, the one they traded away being the guy that's going to work out is going to be really, really tough for me. Um, I know Atkins or, or Shapiro said something like, well, you can't judge it until later down the line. I'm going to bet that five more years of Moreno control versus three more or two more of Varsho, that's still going to tilt in uh, in Arizona's favor. So, I mean, Varsho is a really nice piece and he'll be a part of this team the next couple of years. But it's hard to imagine that trade doesn't look it doesn't end up looking like one they regret at least a little bit. I was I was thinking more like I understand why they did not trade Kirk because he had an all-star year, but I was like he also sell didn't high. have as much trade value. Like like from what I understand is like Moreno was the guy every team asked about, and yeah. they didn't like I think they would have been fine with moving Kirk, but the value just wasn't there as much. I don't think teams around the league believed in his defense being as good as it was this year, um, even if they liked the bat. Yeah, because I was like the speed was a huge factor for me as well. That was like the main reason why I'm like trade Kirk. His value is probably high now because of the all-star, but yeah, I guess because the win now move, it made, it made sense to trade Varsho, I guess. It's but, also hard not to regret right now because Moreno kind of helped the Diamondbacks for the World <laughs> Series, so it kind of makes it look worse than it actually is. And he's really good. Like, he had an awesome yeah. season. He was he was by far the best catcher in baseball at controlling the running game, um, which is like super important now that, that there's more base stealing and stuff. And then, yeah, he's probably going to be like a guy who hits 280 regularly. Um, just sticking with the Jays, overall season recap, just you don't have to like go into depth really because I know you're probably having flashbacks like, damn, I got to talk about this again. <laughs> but it's like the same with us. But like a couple of things, 
obviously underwhelming. We know that. But do you believe this is the true Vladdy, or do you think he could still be like that 2021 mixed in 2022 Vladdy? And what do you expect them to do with the free agency and John Schneider? Do you believe him in as a manager? So just all that into one. Yeah, I mean, look, you're you're right that it was underwhelming or disappointing. They didn't meet expectations. The expectation wasn't to sneak into the wild card and get bounced in two games again. It was to win the AL East and and you know make some noise in the playoffs. Um, so that's where the bar is again heading into this year. Um, certainly, Vlad is a part of that. Where I'm at on him, I don't think he's this year's version of that. Like I, I think when you show the level that he showed in 2021, even acknowledging where he played some of his games and things like that. Um, there is a star bat in there. He didn't show it at all this year and he didn't show it for most of 2022. So I don't think you can go into this season being like, yo, Vlad's going to hit 40 home runs and hit 290 and knock in 120. I wouldn't be surprised though, if that happens, I just think you have to you know, you probably set your expectations somewhere between 2021 and 2023 moving forward because he hasn't been that guy for, for two years now. Um, now, if he's that guy again, that shoots the Blue Jays a little further. Um, if he's not, then yeah, you got to hit on these uh, free agent things because you have four pretty key free agents uh, on the position player side, and it's a really weak free agent class. Um, the one thing I would say other than Shohei, which we can all dream on, and I could sit here and make the business case to Rodgers, but it's still going to be like $500 million at the end of the day. Um, yeah. The Jays do have some financial flexibility, and at a time when a lot of teams aren't sure what's happening with their television revenue because of Bali Sports and Diamond Sports um, running out of money and stuff like that, there are going to be some teams who need to shed payroll. And if you're the Blue Jays, you might be able to pick up a guy just by taking on his contract in trade or, or for a lower level prospect. So I've been kind of scouring some of these other teams' rosters too for like who makes like 10 or 15 million and is like an upgrade but not a star. That might end up being the kind of moves that they make. And that's a little underwhelming, but the whole free agent class is underwhelming. It's Shohei, Bellinger, and then a bunch of pitchers. But I think we'd all agree the Jays need a, a little more help on the offensive side. Would you have paid Vlad? Uh, before not after this year for sure like would you have given him the long term like julio rodriguez got not the like 300 million dollar deal no i mean it's it's just so hard for a first baseman slash dh to deliver on that um that he would have had to repeat 2021 another time for me to you know lay out the 300 million or whatever it's going to cost um so i i think this is one where they probably just ride out this season and then revisit it next time because if i'm glad i'm not negotiating right now either right like i'm not negotiating off my worst season um yeah so yeah i think i think it's gotta it's gonna go down a little more of the wire very quick reaction to john schneider as a manager he's fine i i really dislike the barrios move um <laughs> yeah you know, I, there was the odd thing during the season. I, obviously, they were a poor base running team. I don't know how much we blame that on the players versus the coach. Obviously, the coach is accountable for some of it. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I think I think maybe people took that decision in game two and applied that to the entire body of John Schneider's work, which maybe isn't fair. But I also really, really dislike that move. So uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm torn on that one. I, look, he he's managed for a year and a half. I think probably he he should get more runway to evaluate but i was a little surprised that all the pieces are back this year with the exception of uh, luis rivera who retired and, and dave hudgens who is like mystery reassigned in the organization but like hitting coach back pitching coach back manager back bench coach back gm back i'm a little surprised there wasn't more turnover somewhere uh for me um so jordan hicks is a guy we traded 
from the deadline. Is there a is there like a number one priority to bring him back, or is that like you know if you could just do it, just do it. If not, there's no real issue. Yeah, I, I don't think they'd they'd spend big on him. Like if it's a short term deal, maybe. But this front office has never really spent big on uh, like a long term deal for a reliever because relievers are so volatile and like. Earlier in the year, Jordan Hicks was like almost getting DFA'd. Um, I think they believe in their ability to just like trade for the next Jordan Hicks if they need to. Um, they also they enter the offseason with like a pretty deep bullpen on paper. Um, so uh look, I'd like to have him back, but this this is not a front office that's gonna give like a three year forty five million dollar deal to a reliever, like a three year thirty six to a reliever. Okay, so Chapman is obviously they're trying to bring him back. I'm not sure if, if we're fans of really paying him all that money. Like you said, free, uh, very weak free agency class. Your reaction to that? Yeah, um, it was interesting to hear through reporting that he turned down like a $100 million offer uh, before the season. Uh, I think that's one he probably regrets a little bit here, given how his season went. Um, look, I'd be fine with Chapman coming back, but like I, I don't, he's 30. And similar to what I was saying about relievers, like th- this team, this front office has not done super risky long-term deals they've paid guys they paid george springer that was a long-term deal they knew they'd be paying him into his mid-30s um they've paid some starting pitchers but they haven't you know like like matt chapman would become i think the second highest paid player on the team at the the contracts that are being talked about for him and to pay a 30 year old coming off of uh you know five really bad months that kind of money over four years i'd just be surprised if this front office does it there's also this weird thing where like all of their closest prospects to the majors play third base uh, like none of them are like elite at third base but barger schneider aravis martinez damiano pomegiani all those guys play third base um so maybe they just they would rather just like see who clicks in spring training rather than pay chapman and then you use that money on you know another outfielder or a second baseman or something like that all right going a little bit mlb wide here what's your projection of where will atani end up I want to say Toronto so bad. Uh, <laughs> look, I'm I'll I'll guess the Dodgers because they're West Coast, they're big market, they've got tons and tons of money, and they always are players in free agents. I think it's the it's the safest bet probably. Um, I, I like the Dodgers, but it would be a little disappointing. I want to see him honestly for you guys. I would I would love to see him in Seattle too if he's not going to go to Toronto. Like another. No, we're Jays fans, so we don't want that. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> I, yeah, thought no, for, we're, like, we're I thought for proximity, like you could go down oh, no, and no, see no, him no, a little no. more yeah, often yeah. or we're whatever. We're, we're, this one, we're strict Jays fans, for yeah. sure. Okay. Diehard Jays okay. fans. Then, yeah, probably the Dodgers. Keep it in the NL if you're not going to <laughs> Toronto. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, biggest name or names you think that could get traded in the offseason uh, that you may have an eye around the league? Like, I don't know, Nolan or Ronaldo came in my head a little bit, but I don't know how realistic that would be, especially yeah. with the Jays somehow being a picture potential yeah, spot he's uh so this name is like he's not quite the level he was one it was once but similar to what i was saying earlier about teams that might need to shed salary i could really see milwaukee trading away Kristen yellett who was you know a borderline mvp candidate not that long ago um yeah. he's fallen off a little bit and like he's a good left fielder but with a bad arm so he's not like an obvious fit for lots of teams but that's a pretty big name i, I could see getting moved Okay, uh, last thing before we close it out here. Your just general reaction to the new rules that happened in baseball this year. Yeah, I thought they were great. Yeah. 
yeah i, lo- I love the stolen base i i one of the like an- like obviously people frame me as an analytics guy but one of the analytics things i have not liked over the years is the deprioritization of the stolen base um i love catcher play so so getting to you know find out a little bit more about which catchers control the run game well which pitchers control the run game well i thought the stolen base element really added something this year and then you know the pitch clocks are you don't notice it as much like pitch to pitch really and then you look at the end of the game and you were at the ballpark for 25 less minutes um i think that's a positive like obviously i'm a baseball diehard i'll sit at the park for four hours i don't really care but for attracting casual fans getting families out to the ballpark and stuff like that i I think it's a really good move and and i think i read that they're going to trim it even further uh for this coming season so um i think that'll look making the game a little more snappier a little zippier um and having more you know high excitement plays like the stolen base is good for the game makes for a better product are you fine for it in the playoffs though yeah yeah i I think you know playoff games still slow down a little bit because lots of pitching changes and pinch hitting and stuff like that everyone uses every time out um i just i think it's it's too risky to have a different set of rules for the playoffs all right, sounds good. All right, well, Blake, we appreciate you once again for hopping I, on with us. Wait, I thought you had a WWE question. That was the that was the WWE question. The that Draymond, you, oh, the Draymond one. Okay. Yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, unless you want to talk about the Canada Goat, <laughs> we have that lying down if you have time no, for I'm it. I'm good, man. I'm good on that one. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, we appreciate you once again for hopping on. Before we let you go, though, can you you could just promote your stuff? Where can people find you? Uh, yeah, your shows and all that stuff. Yeah, uh, so this year for Raptors covered, I mean, I'm writing a little bit at sportsnet.ca, but I joined uh, William Liu's Raptor show with, with him and Alex Wong for the year. So that's on two hours every day on radio or podcast or, or TV if you have Sportsnet 360. Um, that's been a lot of fun so far. And then whenever the Raptors are done, Jay's Talk Plus will be back, as far as I know, as a, as a two-hour Jay's radio show for the summer as well. All right, everything will be linked down below along with his Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. And uh, yeah, no, Blake, once again, we appreciate you for having uh, ha- coming on with us. And uh, for everybody else watching, we appreciate you guys. And we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.